Chapter 41 When it is recalled that Death is situated at the point where the abyss bisects the middle pillar, and that up the middle pillar lies the path of the arrow, the way by which consciousness goes when the psychic rises on the plains, and that here also is Kundalini, we see that in Death is the secret of both generation and regeneration, the key to the manifestation of all things through the differentiation into pairs of opposites and their union in a third. Dion Fortune, The Mystical Kabbalah, London, Fraternity of the Inner Light, 1957-719 In any case, I wasn't supposed to concern myself with Minutius. My job was the wonderful adventure of metals. I began by exploring the Milan libraries. I started with textbooks, made a bibliography on file cards, and from there I went back to the original sources, old or new, looking for decent pictures. There's nothing worse than illustrating a chapter on space travel with a photograph of the latest American satellite. Signor Garamond had taught me that it needs, at the very least, an angel by Doré. I reaped a harvest of curious reproductions, but they weren't enough. To choose the right picture for an illustrated book, you have to reject at least ten others. I got permission to go to Paris for four days. Not much time to visit all the archives. Leah came with me. We arrived Thursday and had return reservations for the Monday evening train, and I scheduled the conservatoire for Monday, a mistake, because I found out the conservatoire was closed Mondays. Too late. I left Paris crestfallen. Belbo was vexed, but I had collected plenty of interesting things, and we went to show them to Signor Garamond. He leaped through the reproductions, many of them in color, then looked at the bill and let out a whistle. "'My dear friend,' he said, "'our work is a mission. True, we toil in the fields of culture, ça va sans dire, but we're not the Red Cross.' More were not UNICEF. Was it necessary to buy all this material? I mean, I see here a mustachioed gentleman in his underwear who looks like D'Artagnan, surrounded by abracadabras and Capricorns. Who is he, Mandrake? Primitive medicine, influence of the zodiac on the different parts of the body and the corresponding curative herbs, and minerals, including metals. The doctrine of the cosmic signatures. Those were times when the boundary between magic and science was rather ill-defined. Interesting. But what does this title page mean? Philosophia Moiseica. What's Moses got to do with it? Isn't that being a little too primitive? It's the dispute over Unguentum Armarium, otherwise known as Weapon Salve. Illustrious physicians spent fifty years arguing whether this salve could heal wounds by being smeared on the weapon that had dealt the blow. Incredible! And that's science? Not in today's sense of the word, but they considered this seriously because they had just discovered the marvels of the magnet, the magic possibility of action at a distance. These men were wrong, but later Volta and Marconi were not. What are electricity and radio if not action at a distance? Well, well, bravo, Kasabin. Science and magic going arm in arm, eh? Great idea. Let's pursue this. Throw out some of those revolting generators and put in a few more mandrakes. Perhaps a summoning of the devil, say, on a gold background. I wouldn't want to go too far. This is the wonderful adventure of metals. Oddities work only when they're to the point. The wonderful adventure of metals must be, most of all, the story of science's mistakes. Stick in the catchy oddity and in the caption say it's wrong. In the meantime, the reader's hooked because he sees that even the greats had crazy ideas, just like him. I told them about a strange thing I had seen in Paris, a bookshop near Quai Saint-Michel. Its symmetrical windows advertised its own schizophrenia. On one side, books on computers and the electronics of the future. On the other, occult sciences. And it was the same inside. Apple and Kabbalah. 
Unbelievable, Belbo said. Obvious, Diotalevi said. Or at least you're the last person who should be surprised, Jacopo. The world of machines seeking to rediscover the secret of creation, letters and numbers. Garamond said nothing. He had clasped his hands as if in prayer, and his eyes were turned heavenward. Then he smacked his hands together. What you've said today confirms an idea of mine. For a while now I've... Eh, but all in good time. It needs more thought. Meanwhile, carry on. You've done well, Kasabin. We must look at your contract again. You're a valuable colleague. And yes, put in plenty of Kabbalah and computers. Computers are made with silicon, aren't they? But silicon isn't a metal. It's a non-metallic element. Metallic, non-metallic. Why split hairs? What is this, Rosa Rosarum? Computers and Kabbalah. Kabbalah isn't a metal either, I said. He accompanied us to the door. At the threshold, he said, Kasabin, publishing is an art, not a science. Let's not think like revolutionaries, eh? Those days are past. Put in the Kabbalah. Oh, yes, about your expenses. I've taken the liberty of disallowing the couchette. Not to be stingy, believe me. It's just that research requires, how shall I put it, a Spartan spirit. Otherwise you lose your faith. He summoned us again a few days later, telling Belbo there was a visitor in his office he wanted us to meet. We went. Garamond was entertaining a fat gentleman with a face like a taper's, no chin, a little blonde moustache beneath a large animal nose. I thought I recognized him, then I knew who it was. Professor Bramanti, the man I had gone to hear in Rio, the referendary or whatever of that Rosicrucian order. Professor Bramanti, Garamond said, believes this is the right moment for a smart publisher, alert to the cultural climate of the time, to inaugurate a line of books on the occult sciences. For Minutius, Belbo suggested. Why, naturally, Signor Garamond smiled shrewdly. Professor Bramanti, who, by the way, was recommended to me by my dear friend Dr. De Amicis, the author of that splendid volume, Chronicles of the Zodiac, which we brought out this year, has been lamenting the fact that the few works published on this subject, almost invariably by frivolous and unreliable houses, fail to do justice to the wealth, the profundity of this field of studies. Given the failure of the utopias of the modern world, Bramante said, the time is ripe for a reassessment of the culture of the forgotten past. What you say is the sacred truth, Professor, but you must forgive our—I don't like to say—ignorance— our unfamiliarity with the subject. When you speak of occult sciences, what exactly do you have in mind? Spiritualism, astrology, black magic? Bramante made a gesture of dismay. Please, that's just the sort of nonsense that's foisted on the ingenuous. I'm talking about science, occult though it may be. Of course, that may include astrology when appropriate, but not the kind that tells a typist that next Sunday she'll meet the man of her dreams. No. What I mean, to give an example, would be a serious study of the decans. Oh, yes, I see. Scientific. It's in our line, to be sure, but could you be a little more specific? Bramante settled into his chair and looked around the room, as if to seek astral inspiration. I'd be happy to give you some examples, of course. I would say that the ideal reader of a collection of this sort would be a Rosicrucian adept, and therefore an expert in magium, in necromantium, in astrologium, in geomantium, in pyromantium, in hydromantium, in chaomantium, in medicinam adeptam, to quote the book of Azoth, which, as the Raptus Philosophorum explains, 
was given to Starophus by a mysterious maiden. But the knowledge of the adept embraces other fields, such as physiognosis, which deals with occult physics, the static, the dynamic, and the kinematic, or astrology and esoteric biology, the study of the spirits of nature, hermetic zoology. I could add cosmognosis, which studies the heavens from the astronomical, cosmological, physiological, and ontological points of view, and anthropognosis, which studies human anatomy and the sciences of divination, psychurgy, social astrology, hermetic history. Then there is qualitative mathematics, arithmology. But the fundamentals are the cosmography of the invisible, magnetism, auras, fluids, psychometry, and clairvoyance, and in general the study of the five hyperphysical senses, not to mention horoscopic astrology, which of course becomes a mere mockery of learning when not conducted with the proper precautions, as well as physiognomics, mind-reading, and the predictive arts, tarots, dream-books, ranging to the highest levels such as prophecy and ecstasy. Sufficient information would be required on alchemy, spagyrics, telepathy, exorcism, ceremonial and evocatory magic, basic theurgy. As for genuine occultism, I would advise exploration of the fields of early Kabbalah, Brahmanism, Gymnosophy, Memphis hieroglyphics, Templar phenomenology, Belbo slipped in. Bramante glowed. Absolutely. But I almost forgot. First, some idea of necromancy and sorcery among the other races. Onomancy, prophetic furies, voluntary thaumaturgy, hypnotic suggestion, yoga, somnambulism, mercurial chemistry. For the mystical tendency, Vronsky advises bearing in mind the techniques of the possessed nuns of Loudon, the convulsives of Samedar, the mystical beverages, the wine of Egypt, the elixir of life, and arsenic water. For the principle of evil, but I realize that here we come to the most delicate part of a possible series, I would say we need to acquaint the reader with the mysteries of Beelzebub as destruction proper, with Satan as dethroned prince, and with Euronomius, Moloch, Incubi, and Succubi. For the positive principle, the celestial mysteries of St. Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and the Agatha demons. Then, of course, the mysteries of Isis, Mithra, Morpheus, Samothrace, and Eleusis, and the natural mysteries of the male sex, Phallus, Wood of Life, Key of Science, Baphomet, Mallet, then the natural mysteries of the female sex, Ceres, Tias, Patera, Sibylle, Astarte. Signor Garamond leaned forward with an insinuating smile. I wouldn't overlook the Gnostics. Certainly not, although on that particular subject a great deal of rubbish is in circulation. In any case, every sound form of occultism is a gnosis. Just what I was going to say, said Garamond. And all this would be enough? Belbo asked innocently. And all this would be enough? Belbo asked innocently. Bramante puffed out his cheeks, abruptly transforming himself from taper to hamster. Enough? To begin with, yes, but not for beginners, if you'll forgive the little joke. But with about fifty volumes you could enthrall an audience of thousands, readers who are only waiting for an authoritative word. With an investment of perhaps a few hundred million lire? I've come to you personally, Dr. Garamond, because I know of your willingness to undertake such generous ventures, and with a modest royalty for myself as editor-in-chief of the series. Bramante had now gone too far. Garamond was losing interest. The visitor was dismissed hastily with expansive promises. The usual committee of advisers would carefully weigh the proposal.